0: Coming up, I'll reveal the number one habit of highly productive people, and then jaded Americans are skipping college altogether. They're they're looking at it and they're going, "Hey, this isn't for me," and I'll explain why next. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you win in the rest of your life. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, let's talk about the number one habit of highly productive people. Now. Uh, I will fully admit here, right out of the gate, that I am not the most organized person in the world, but I am highly productive. So, some of you might be thinking, "Well, I, I'm just a disaster with details," uh, and I, I and and I just I, I I don't need a little exercise here in uh, how to be productive throughout my day. And I'm not your guy. Uh, but it is a myth that you have to be super organized to be productive. But you can be disciplined. So the problem we're going to take on today is that those of you who aren't highly productive, I'm telling you there's a reason why, and it's because you're reactive instead of proactive. So while I'm not the most organized guy in the world, I am highly prioritized. So how did you get here to where you feel like I'm not as productive as I could and should be? Well, there's a phenomenon known in psychology circles as emotional contagion. Now, that sounds scary, doesn't it? But think about it. You ever been in a crowd of people and and, and somebody starts to freak out and, and, and panic takes over? And you hear somebody scream and horror. Or, ah! I mean, I, I the, the time I think of is multiple times I've been on the beach with my family. A couple of times, uh, some of the kids were in the water and I'm paying attention anyway. But you see, some people freak out. I'll never forget. We were on the beach one time, and a big old brown blob was moving slowly through the water. And I mean, people started freaking out, man. Yeah, I remember it was down to the left, and I saw it. You could hear the the the, the screams, and then the Whoa! you could just feel it. And so your immediate reaction is, "Oh, what is it?" And you look in the water, and I remember seeing the brown blob. And I was like, "Kids, come on, get out of the water!" You know, I panicked my poor kids. You know what it was? It was a giant manatee, which is basically like a golden retriever of the water. You know, they're not going to hurt anybody. They're just kind of floating along, do, 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 kind of like Eeyore of the water, right? Just big old blob, and, and everybody realizes it, so panic. You know, uh, kind of went away, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of interesting." And so, emotional contagion occurs when you mimic, usually without any type of conscious effort, the emotions and the expressions of people around you. So like that beach scene, right? Uh, That's emotional contagion. And so it's important to to realize here that our emotion is what fuels our action. Let me say that again. Our emotion fuels our actions. All right, so let's get off of the beach and in the office. All right, so let's create a scene. Somebody rushes to your desk or to your office, and you can tell that Things aren't going well with them, right? They, they, they just, you, you could see it. They're tight. They're tense. Maybe they're, their face is red. Maybe they're sweating. Maybe they're cussing. Maybe they're just biting their nails. They're freaking out. They've got a work emergency. That's how it's presenting, right? And they bring it to you. And they need you to drop everything in that moment. And help them get engaged. And, and again, this could be a coworker, This could be you if you're a leader. And, and you've got an employee that's coming to you and they're freaking out. And so this is exactly like the scene on the beach. Here I am, a parent. And I'm charged with taking care of my kids. I want my kids to be safe. And I see commotion. I hear commotion. And that is followed by emotion. And everybody starts freaking out in the moment. And we're all just a mirror. Now, is in that situation, if it was something dangerous, is that a good thing? Of course. But it's pretty obvious in the moment. Large, dark blob swimming along the shoreline. Whoa! We got to react. Better safe than sorry. Let's get the kids out of the water, right? Of course. But in this work situation, it may not be... Very obvious to you initially that this is a real emergency. I remember I used to work with a guy here in the office that would bring this kind of stuff to me all the time. And I used to say to him, hey, bro, your emergency is not my emergency. And I'll never forget the first time I said it. He looked at me kind of like a dog looks at a stranger, you know, kind of, what, what do you mean? I said, listen, I understand that right now you're feeling like you are in an emergency situation and you're freaking out. But I have listened, and my initial reaction here is, this is not my emergency, and it may not be your emergency, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to breathe, and we're going to talk, and then we're going to ask questions, and we're going to think, and then we'll decide how we're going to react. It was a calming mechanism for me because I intuitively knew I had much more experience than this young guy and we were working together. And so what felt like an emergency to him did not feel like an emergency to me. And so I was able to go, okay, let's relax. And here's what happens. In that moment, I'm able to keep my priorities at the front of the situation. Because, by the way, there could be some good situations that come your way, right? Right? And let's not just think professionally, but let's also think about in our personal life, because this is a great truth to grab today, that we need to be proactive, not reactive. So an urgent opportunity that seems really great may not be a slam dunk yes for you. The person that's bringing it to you says, this is a slam dunk yes. And you may be going, it's not a slam dunk yes to me. So whether it's an emergency or an opportunity, let's be proactive. So how do we do that? What needs to change when these emergencies and opportunities come your way? There are two things that you need to do, and you can just think of these two things as a hack for staying focused and on course for your priorities. The first thing you need to do, step one, make sure that you revisit your priorities because this can't work if you don't have priorities. So first thing is, is you decide what you say yes to. And when you decide what you say yes to, guess what? It's easy to say no. So then we can revisit these things. Opportunity, emergency comes at you and you go, huh, let me think for a second. By the way, it's okay to say, I'm going to get back to you and revisit those priorities if it's been a while. Are the priorities that I had still the priorities that I need? And so you walk back into, what are the things that I said I need to say yes to? And when I get clarity on that, now I know what I can say no to. And by the way, you have a great explanation as to why you've already decided. Step two, use a decision-making process much like the Eisenhower Matrix. This has been around for a very long time, and it helps you look at new tasks uh, or, or new asks up with your priorities. And so the the, the Eisenhower Matrix asks you to put these tasks or asks into four categories. One, urgent and important, meaning I got to do it now. It is urgent, and it is a part of the things that I say are priority, so I got to do that now. Second, not urgent and important. Now, this is not urgent, but it is important. So that means I can do it later, or I can delegate it now. Then third is the urgent not important. So that is, I'll schedule that, I'll put that out in the future, and I'll get to it. And then finally, not urgent, not important. You know what that is? That's the easiest no in the world. Nope. Delete it and forget it. Here's the point. You need to be proactive, not reactive, so that you are working and living on purpose. And watch your results blow up. 40 million people are already staring down the barrel of more expenses in their life in the form of student loan payments, uh, re-engaging, reoccurring now. They're coming back. And uh, we at Ramsey Solutions have been helping people for decades. We've given so many people, millions and millions of people, the tools, the encouragement, to get debt free and get out from underneath these student loans. And so we're going to do it again. We're hosting a free live stream on Tuesday, September 12th at 7 Central, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. This is a free live stream. Dave Ramsey, Rachel Cruz, and Jade Warshaw are going to be guiding you through a clear plan to pay off your student loans so that you don't have to freak out, number one. And number two, you stop looking to Washington, D.C. to forgive them because they're not going to. And uh, you can do this, and we're going to be there to walk with you. It's a free live stream. So if you've got somebody in your family that's freaking out over this, you got some friends that are freaking out about their student loan payments coming back online, this event is for them, RamseySolutions.com slash loans. That's where you sign up for free, RamseySolutions.com slash loans. Well, this is timely. In my hands, a headline from the AP, More Americans are skipping college. I have been staying on top of this story, giving you updates as new data comes in. And I don't think this is anything to be worried about. In fact, I think this is actually great news. In short, if I were to leave it at this, the decline in college enrollment will force higher education to change or they will go extinct. And that's a good thing. Let's break it down. Undergraduate college enrollment dropped 8% from 2019 to 2022. This from the National Student Clearinghouse. This new generation, these Gen Zers, they don't see the value of a college degree like previous generations have. The cultural message, interestingly enough, is not changed. The cultural message is, Go to college, you'll be more successful, you're going to make more money if you go to college. There's no data that is worth standing on that says that you will be more successful. Is there some data that shows higher salary? Yes, but that's based on older data. That data is changing as I sit here and talk to you now. You can gripe about that all you want to. You're wrong, I'm right. A college degree does not guarantee success. Uh, for those who forego college, it's uh, in history, historically, it has been uh, lower lifetime earnings. I'm going to pull that out for you cynics who always like to defend a college degree because you think it's somehow tied to your personal brand. It's not. Get over yourself and listen to what I'm saying. The Georgetown University Center of Education and Workforce um, says that those without degrees are more likely to lose jobs. That's not true. That's not true. I just talked about the fact that, and I'm going to be talking about more here in, the, in our in our uh, last segment. You need to go to YouTube to see this segment. For those of you that are on podcast and radio. Uh, But we have more trade jobs than ever before. They're the safest jobs, by the way. The trades exploded during the pandemic, while white-collar jobs got sent home. Come on, folks. Get your head out of the sand or out of your you-know-what. It's changing. Times are changing. This is from Zach Mabel, a Georgetown researcher. And Zach, he's got his head in the sand. It's quite a dangerous proposition to the strength of our national economy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. We have listen. We have manufacturing positions open. We have welding positions open. We have electrician jobs open. We have we have uh, carpentry jobs wide open right now. That would help our economy. Tell you what's going to hurt our economy is when we have a housing boom and we don't have anybody to build houses. You dolt. Why is this happening? Well, let's take the pandemic. When college students were essentially left to their own devices to learn on their own and watch video classes and check in. They started to go, wait a second, I'm going into debt for this. I'm not learning anything. I'm watching my friends make really great money on YouTube. That's what's changed the perception of things. All the while, they're seeing student debt soar, and they're seeing the headlines on this, and they themselves are freaking out because they're tens and tens of thousands of dollars in debt and can't afford it, can't use the degree they had. That's their own conclusion. Now, let's look here in Tennessee, my home state, at at a real situation. In Jackson, Tennessee... Just to our west here in the Nashville area. The county that is in that, that holds Jackson, Tennessee, has just 4 out of 10 of the county's public high school graduates immediately going to college in 2021. That's down from 6 in 10 in 2019. Now, it is a steeper drop in Jackson, Tennessee, and that county, than in the nation overall, which had a 4% decline, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Jackson's leaders are saying that young people are taking restaurant and retail jobs that pay more than they have before. They are also being recruited right out of high school by manufacturing companies. And I love this. I love that manufacturing companies are going to high schools and going, hey, kiddo, instead of going to a college you can't afford and get a degree you cannot use, why don't you come work for us? Vicki Bunch is the head of workforce development in the area's Chamber of Commerce, and she said, students can't seem to resist sign-on bonuses and wages that far exceed any they've ever seen before. Yeah, because these students aren't idiots. These are smart kids. Now, across Tennessee, the education experts in Tennessee are wringing their hands because they think that... This is only going to accelerate. Take the $5.6 billion Ford plant near Jackson that's going to produce electric trucks and batteries. It's promising to create 5,000 jobs. And it's already attracting young workers. Yes! I love it! Daniel Moody is one of these young people, 19, recruited to run plumbing for the plant after graduating from a Memphis high school in 2021. He is earning $24 an hour, and he's glad he passed on college. He said, if I would have gone to college after school, I would be dead broke. The type of money I'm making here, I'm not going to be making that while you're trying to go to college. He's right. More young people are pursuing programs other than a four-year college degree. And some states are seeing a growing demand for apprenticeships in the trades, which, of course, will give them a certificate and other credentials that they can use. give you another example. Before the pandemic, Boone Williams was the type of student that colleges wanted on their campus. He took advanced classes and got straight A's. But he grew up around agriculture, and he thought about going to college for animal science. And then when his school outside Nashville sent their students home for most of his junior year because they were freaked out, and the teachers' unions probably didn't help, and they shut schools down, this kid said, forget these virtual classes and log it on. He started working in local farms, breaking horses or helping with cattle. He said, I stopped applying myself once COVID came. I was focusing on making money rather than going to school. And how can you blame him? He's going to sit at home and watch his teacher teach on a Zoom class? No thanks. So a family friend told him about apprenticeships, and he jumped at the chance to get paid while learning a craft. Today he works for a plumbing company, and takes night classes in the trade. He goes, in the long run, I'm going to be way more set than any of my friends who went to college, and he's right. You watch this young man go into plumbing, make really good money, and if he's smart and he invests like Ramsey Solutions can teach him to do, he could be a millionaire in his 30s. And, oh, by the way, good chance that Boone is going to start a plumbing company. And what does that do? That creates more jobs. Come on, folks. This is America. Hey, parents, wake up. It's not embarrassing. It's not less than for your kid to go right out of high school into the trades. In fact, I think it's preferable. Let them go, mom and dad. Let them go. All right, folks, welcome back to The Ken Coleman Show. If you're enjoying the program on YouTube, would you help me? You can do that by liking the video that you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and then sharing the video with someone, or even on social media. And then if you are listening via your favorite podcast app, help us by giving us a follow, a five-star review, and sharing as well. All right, let's get to the phones. Jared now joins us in Wichita, Kansas. Jared, you're on The Ken Coleman Show.
1: Hi there, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Well, so um, a few days ago, I've been talking with my boss over the last several years about buying the business. And he came to me and said, well, I'd like to go ahead and have you do that by the end of 2024. So I had a little bit of a freak out and started to look around and say, uh, what tools do I need uh, to be able to transition from this this role of employer and uh, and a part of the business to suddenly becoming possibly the the CEO and running the company. So I'd just love to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so uh, what are the tools or what are the challenges that you need to meet in your mind? Give me that list because I'd like to walk right through that with
1: you. Sure. Um, so the company is a managed service provider for it. And so most of my, uh, time is spent with clients and and fixing their problems. Okay. And all of a sudden, obviously becoming the CEO, I'm going to need to know how to manage people. Well, how many people can manage, um, the company's about 15 people right now. Okay. And you are currently not leading anyone. Um, well, so as time has gone on, no, there's no direct leadership. I have been involved in some hiring and firing and more of the, the back side of the business, but really the structure is, it doesn't have any, any management other than the CEO.
0: Okay. And, and how many of the 15 and so including the CEO, so we'll take him off mm-hmm. the table of the 14 remaining,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how many of them are on site doing tech work services, that, that type of stuff? Uh,
1: there, there's eight of us tech. Tech people, and then we've got a help desk structure, and, and, and all of that. So,
0: okay, so seven is including uh, help desk. Where they're they're doing what?
1: Um, th- so they're answering the calls that come in for, for service. And we're a little bit unique in that I actually travel around and see each individual client uh, once a week to to manage their servers and their emails and computers and all of that.
0: But you have there's there's uh, eight more of you doing the exact same thing.
1: Exactly. All right, yeah. and
0: so now you would move in. Okay, so the reason I'm asking these questions, um, sure. if that's the big – so first thing is, is, is thinking through, okay, now you've got to move into a leadership role, but you're ready. And the reason I believe that you're ready, I think you're asking me, am I ready? Is that what you're asking me?
1: <laughs> that's part of it, sure. Yeah,
0: that's part of it. So let's quickly move through that. You're ready, and I'll tell you why you're ready. Because you are a practitioner right now of the company's primary, if not only, service. Yeah. So you understand the ins and outs. You know what it's like on the ground, in the customer's office, doing the thing. So you're ready because you are able to answer any one of the other folks. If they came to you and said, hey, I need this in order to do my job better, you would understand the request as to whether or not it was legitimate or not legitimate. You would understand it. And that's your main role is to help your team do their job well that's sure. your job now there's one other job there's two jobs as the role of the leader make sure that they're doing okay how are they doing you're checking in on them all yeah. the time how you doing something going on crazy in your personal life how's that affecting your ability to do your job I need to know so I can help you yeah that's your job is to yeah. check on is to check on them and make sure to the extent that you can help them do well personally, and then your job is to make sure they have what they need to win professionally. Make sense? For sure. So if you ask all of your direct reports, and we'll get to that in a second, how are you doing? And you know how they're doing. and I don't mean snooping, but to the extent that they begin to trust you and say, "Hey, you know my my wife's struggling with this," and okay, boom, I need to know how you're doing, and you're you're acutely aware of how they're doing because then they go, "Jared cares about me." And because Jared cares about me, I trust Jared, and I will be honest with Jared. And man, are they going to be loyal to you? So that you know what they're dealing with personally. So that to the extent that you can help, or at least be understanding and empathetic, uh, that's huge. And then the second question is: Hey, how you doing out in the field? Do you have everything you need? Do you do we need a better process? Do we need some more tools? That's your job as the leader. You ask those two questions on a regular basis. How are you doing? And how can I help you win? That's all you need to do to win. Period. That will make you a phenomenal leader. Now, to that end, have you ever wondered or thought about there's a better structure? Maybe we shouldn't be uh, 14 to 1. Maybe we should be uh, 6 to 1, 8 to 1. Have you ever thought through what a structure would look like to just lessen the amount of direct reports?
1: Absolutely. Um, Some of of those things that I've thought about, I've actually talked with the boss about, and he's been willing to implement. He's a great boss. He's been great to work with. Great, but here's the point.
0: If you're in charge, you can implement it. Exactly. So, you know, I like to joke around about this, but I'm serious when I make the joke, but Jesus was the Son of God, a perfect person in my mind, according to Scripture, and he only had 12 disciples. So you shouldn't have more than 12 people reporting to you, is my point. And I'm serious as I could be. Everybody laughs when I say it, but think about that. Yeah. So I like what you've already thought through. So I would think through that structure. So I think that okay. that's all you need to know that you do have what it takes to lead. If you just care for people personally and professionally, you win. That's all you need to do to lead. Most leaders never understand that. So that's does that help so far? It, it does.
1: All right, does. what else?
0: We only got about two minutes left. What else What else is a major challenge for you?
1: Well, I'm, I'm just wondering, is there are there resources? I mean, as far as the, the ins and outs of that, of managing people, is there is there anything I should be reading? Is there anything I should be watching? And anything that I can do to enable me to do that well when the time comes? Sure, I'm going to give to you, know how.
0: yeah, I mean, uh, I, but I want you to take what I just told you. Those two things are actually practical. For sure. For All right, sure. but I'm going to give you the the best selling book, Entree Leadership. Dave's Dave Ramsey's number one best selling book on how we run things at Ramsey Solutions. I think that'll help. I think you listen to the Entree Leadership podcast that Dave is now hosting. I think that's another resource. So I'm going to give you the book. You can listen to the podcast for free. I think there's a great book I would recommend to you uh, that my former boss and mentor wrote, John Maxwell. It's called Developing the Leader Within You. It talks about the five levels of leadership. I think that's a great book. Uh, and so there's a ton of great things like that, but, but I don't want you to be so hung up on learning the next technique that you aren't just doing what a lot of leaders just won't do, which is be engaged and be present. Mm -hmm. Now I would just tell you this financially, don't take a bad deal. So how are you going to finance this? I got about 30 seconds. Give me the 15 second answer. What's, what's the, how are you going to buy this company?
1: He's open to owner finance, so that's that's the direction we're going. I don't have any of the exact numbers yet. but You better but dive deep.
0: You yep. better dive. Yep. Dude, you better make sure that you have access to those books. And if you're not a yep. natural numbers guy, hire a really good uh, accountant, someone who's a, got some controller experience in a company, and say, I'm paying you to be my consultant on this deal, and I want you to look these books over backward, forward. Do you see any red flags? Uh, any question marks? things like that, dude, that'll be very vital before you sign any deal because I want you to go into this thing going, how much profit are we making day one? And based on that, how long would it take me to pay this deal off? And and can I make some tweaks and changes that can speed this up? Because just because this is an opportunity doesn't mean it's a great opportunity. And I wouldn't sign on the line unless it was a great opportunity, meaning you're really excited about the company itself and running it. You feel like you've got a good game plan to run it well, and it is financially healthy to where you can maximize it. And this is not a seven to 10-year play that you're paying this off. This is in two to three years, feasibly, we, we've got ourselves a good situation. Make sure that the valuation is proper. You know, you're looking at one to three times, you know, revenues. And do your homework on that. Seek some counsel. People that have bought small companies before, bring them in, man. There's wise, wise, wise opportunities here for you. So use them. This is The Ken Coleman Show thanks for listening to the ken coleman show for more you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on youtube you can also find ken across all social media by following at ken coleman